welcome back to another episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner with Cyrus Media, the podcast network for music. This episode features my interview with singer-songwriter Allison Russell. We spoke about her excellent new album, Outside Child, which is out now wherever you find good music. I'm excited for you to hear that interview. I really enjoyed talking to Allison. We spoke recently over a video call from her home in Nashville. So I'm going to keep this intro short because we went a little bit longer than some of our recent interviews, but we also had a lot to talk about. If you're not familiar with Allison Russell, she's a member of Birds of Chicago and Our Native Daughters, and was recently nominated for Emerging Artist of the Year by the Americana Music Association. Allison's story is one of perseverance and survival. As you'll hear in our discussion, she suffered horrific violence and abuse growing up in Montreal. Allison is able to speak about her trauma with an incredible amount of poise and clarity. She doesn't hide from what happened in her past, but she also doesn't let it define her. Allison is a champion of survivors like herself, and through her actions and art, seeks to break the generational cycle of abuse. She's an incredible songwriter who writes eloquently and honestly about her experiences in a way that manages to be both brutally truthful and at the same time beautiful in its presentation. I really encourage you to listen to her debut album, Outside Child, which is out now on Fancy Records. The album is truly one of my favorites to come out this year. Allison plays banjo and clarinet. I absolutely love the clarinet on the record. And she sings in both English and a bit in French. So without further ado, here's my interview with Allison Russell, which we'll lead into with a bit of the outside child single, The Runner. Andy, I'm here with Allison Russell. We're going to talk about her excellent new album, Outside Child, that came out on Fantasy Records. Allison, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show, Andy. Uh, it's, it's great to have you. Um, we were just talking, you're in Nashville. Um, yeah, East so, Nashville. And, and you moved there, you said, about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were actually, so for the last four years, we've been sort of out in Madison, and we just moved into our first place of our own and it's really exciting actually the day before my outside child came out we moved in on may 20th and outside child came out may 21st wow that's a lot of exciting life changes yes. happening all at once right yes it was it was a little bit nutty but it was great <laughs> so, yeah so i also wanted to congratulate you on your recent americana music award nominations thank you um you're Nominated for Emerging Act of the Year and also with Our Native Daughters Duo Group of the Year. That's really uh, quite the honor. Uh, You know, the joke is is, it's an honor just to be nominated, but it truly is, right? It really is. And especially, I mean, every artist on the emerging artist list is just incredible. And and all of the groups and every, you know, I mean, I'm just I'm honored to be a part of the community and I'm honored that it's. And I'm grateful that it's such a, an expansive and inclusive community. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's quite the 
eclectic group of, of uh, musicians in both regards. Uh, the uh, diversity is present. I think it's uh, something that's very commendable uh, from the from the Americana Music Association. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something though about so, you know, it, they they call it the emerging artist or act of the year. Um, yeah. and, and other awards will call it the, the new artist or best new artist, but they use the term emerging. Yeah. Um, do you find that to be more accurate to sort of your, the place that you are in your career right now? Um, well, you're not a new artist, obviously. Yeah, um, it's but, a funny thing to be emerging for 20 years almost, you know? Sure. That, yeah, that, exactly. And it is, I mean, you know, I've always been an ensemble work. I've always been in bands. I've never this is my debut solo record and so mm -hmm. it is appropriate i think to be called emerging because that's true i've never put myself forward in my own name ever before and uh, and I, in fact was terrified at, at the notion and so it is a, a really big i've sort of faced one of my biggest fears here in doing in making this record and in kind of laying hopefully to not not exactly rest but having some closure on on some of the early early times of my childhood and yes you know growing up and yeah it's it's a funny it is it's very funny my my producer dan nobler texted me laughing about it he's like you know you've been emerging for 20 years i'm like yeah, yeah. i'm like a cicada like i'm here you'll, you'll be back 17 years from now again, right? yeah, exactly. Your next record. again. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's hope it's not 17 years between no, your next record that's it. well now there's no going back no yes. one's going to be able to shut me up ever again <laughs> So I, I do want to, I, I want to talk about your decision to, to make the solo record, but before we do, I want to ask you more, a little bit more about, so you're French Canadian, you've been living in the U S for a long time. Um, but how do you feel about sort of being labeled as Americana? Do you relate to that term personally? Yeah. So two things, I'm technically not French Canadian, although I grew up in French Canada and I make the distinction only because, um, I don't want to I would feel wrong accepting that beautiful honor, you know, the, so, cause that, so in, in Quebec, there are, there's francophonie, like people, French Canadians born and raised. And then there are folks like me who is an Anglophone or English speaker from the small English minority. But I did have French Canadian foster parents for four years and I went to French schools and I'm bilingual and I speak French and I come from French Canada, but I'm not French Canadian. With that background, how do you feel about being grouped in the Americana label genre? You know, I, what I love about Americana is it's more of a community than it is a genre in a sense, because the definition of Americana kind of encompasses all the genres. Do you know what I mean? Like sure. all of rock and roll, blues, jazz country music you know all, all the elements of your music right all of it grows out of the american melting pot you know all of it grows out of that incredible conjunction of indigenous african european and every wave of immigration that's ever arrived on these shores you know and it grows out of that and those so american roots music is is global at this point, of course, because it's the biggest export ever, you know, Definitely. of this country. And it's, a, and it's gone back and forth across the water. It's gone back and forth across continents. 
And so, yeah, I feel fine about, in fact, I, I really appreciate the work that the Americana community is pretty actively engaged in right now to, to highlight those foundational contributions of Black Americans, of, you know, there's no country music, there's no Hank Williams without Hadi Ledbetter, there's no... yes. Elvis without Sister Rosetta Tharp and Big Mama Thornton. There's no, you know, definitely, definitely. we're finally starting to acknowledge this more broadly. But for a long time, people didn't know that, you know, to the point where Native, my band with Rhiannon Giddens, Amethyst Kia and Layla McCalla, when when the we, we did a, a record together called Songs of Our Native Daughters. And it, mm-hmm. it you know, it, it we were stunned kind of by the response that it got. And Smithsonian did a documentary about it. And they put that out earlier this year in February and I took a week, you know, around the, we were doing a lot of press around it. And I took a week to sort of respond to people's questions on YouTube. And I was so amazed at the level of anger and sort of vitriol. And it was people that hadn't watched the documentary. They were furious at, at the image of four black women holding banjos. And they wow. were writing things like cultural appropriation, you know, and it was really <laughs> sort of white supremacist types writing this stuff. And I that's tragically ill, ill-informed. Week, I took the time for one week to answer the banjo is an African instrument. The banjo is an African instrument <laughs> you know, yeah. over and over again. Like, had you watched the documentary, you would have heard all about it. Right, right. All about it. But, but very, I, I chose to do it. I stayed very, you know, I just, I, I kindly responded earnestly because I actually do care about people getting educated around this. And I think about the kind of the, the divisions, the fear, the big, the deep rooted white supremacist bigotry. That's the, unfortunately the underpinning of most of the modern, you know, colonized world, Um, you know, there's just so much ignorance that's bound up in that. And that's purposeful. It's not, in some ways, it's not their fault. Like they've been fed a whitewashed version of history that sanitizes the brutality of what Europeans did to the indigenous population here, what they did to the African populations, that why, why I look like this and why I live here, you know? And it's just, it's a fascinating thing when you push against someone's sense of identity, right? Like when they're mm-hmm. like, that's ours country music's ours, like why there's people mad at, you know, saying horrific things on Mickey Guyton's Twitter and things like right. that. You know, they're, they're, it shakes their foundations. And what they need to understand is their foundations are black. Right. You know, like you do like black music. Like right. Music. That's, you know, that's also sort of music. Yeah. The, the controversy, or if you call it that around the, the term Americana somewhat goes back to Tyler Childers, who got, who was the emerging artist. Oh, I remember and, that. And, and, and he, he gave a very uh, vitriol speech where he, he claimed that he didn't make Americana music, that he made country music and that by not lumping, by, by avoiding the term country music, it was making country music less inclusive. Right. And I understand that argument, but I don't know that, eliminating Americana and, ha- and not, not as, embracing not a zero this community. Sum. Yeah. Does, it's not a zero does sum that. Question. No, right? I think I, I would be really curious to know what he, how he feels about that now, mm-hmm. you know, he was young yeah. and, you and know, pissed off because they mispronounced his name. 
And oh, sure. And they missed, you know, but I think that that was I remember I was in the audience that night and I remember being really taken aback and thinking, wow, there's some white boy entitlement right there, (laughs) you know, and no, no disrespect to Tyler. Truly, truly. I think he's a beautiful musician. I particularly adore his wife, Sonora May. I think she's incredible. Mm. I love her voice. I love her songs. Yes. I'm a huge fan of. Tyler's wife. Um, and, and he's great, obviously, but I did find that a really interesting thing. And I thought there's a level of, he was young, you know, and there was a level of taking for granted what was happening for him Mm -hmm. and taking for granted the recognition that he was being given by a room full of really brilliant peers. Yes. Folks like Brandy Carlisle, folks like Jason. She's, she's actually comics, how I, I, mean, I was going to reference her. Cause she mentioned, she talks quite a bit about it in her book. Um, she, she points out the, and is kind of a champion for Americana yeah. as being the inclusive yeah. community. Exactly. And, and it, and it really, it really is. And the thing is it encompasses country music. Country music is a type of yeah. Americana. It, it comes from American roots, right? Mm-hmm. It's American roots mm-hmm. music. And American roots are African, European, indigenous, Asian, Jewish, Middle Eastern, on and on, Indian, go like from India, you know, right. on and on and on. And it's like. And they didn't start in the 1950s. No, good <laughs> Lord. Yeah, no, no. And Appalachians were black and white. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the great migration happened because of white supremacist terrorism. You know, because when black people started to actually gather wealth during the reconstruction, it it was it undid people's sense of identity and they pushed back and they crushed it, you know, and there was it was pogroms. It was lynchings. It was violence. It was terrorism. It was white supremacist domestic terrorism, which saw the mass exodus of black folks from the south, you know. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going north for better work in the factories. That wasn't, you know, it was, oh, no, they burned the farm down. Half of us got killed and now we're leaving, you know, you know, so it's like these 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 revisionist whitewashed versions of history don't do us any favors. They're not helping us solve some of the deep seated divisions. Right. And in this country, in my country, Canada is no better. I have to say, right? No, not I mean, we. I don't know how much you're following Canadian news, but there's, you know, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's been devastating to hear about some of those tragedies. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the the church won't acknowledge. Right. The church won't acknowledge what they did. You know, and it's just it's so hurtful. It's like denial doesn't heal, right? It doesn't help anybody heal if you just deny. I, I think it's, it doesn't matter I think that's, if that was two years ago or 200 years ago or four, you know, it's like, we have to acknowledge the truth of what happens. And I mean, this is, a, I'm going out to the outer space from a simple question of, we were talking about Tyler Children's being It's angry. not that simple of a question though. I, it's, I, you know? it's deep. And I think what's interesting to me, like, for him to be upset about being recognized by Americana music because country music didn't choose to recognize him, like that has nothing to do 
Do you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Why are you yelling at the people that are honoring it's, you? It's not zero and, sum. And appreciate yeah. you. It is not zero sum, you know, and he can, and I think he's been much more intentional and sober in his allyship now, mm-hmm. you know, of, of like, and really like I've seen signs of real maturing, obviously that have occurred. that last so, record he put out and the, and the statement yeah. he made along with it yeah. definitely, I think shows that yeah. maturity, real maturity. And he's sober. I mean, I think he was in a pretty altered state as well. Mm-hmm. Back then, right. And, yeah. That's a good point. He's definitely. talked about that. You know, I don't think I'm, and yeah, no, sure. Sure. You know, young, sure. young, I will never cast any stone at someone, but I was struck by it. And I thought, well, that's really a shame that he doesn't understand what's happening for him. Really. He doesn't, he's not seeing it clearly. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many brilliant, I mean, 20. So someone like me, he's, he's talking about, I'm mad that I'm not being recognized by as country music, like two years into my career. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've been doing it for 20 years and this is the first time I've ever been recognized or acknowledged for anything. And it took a world pandemic and people acknowledging the fact that there is a massive, massive double standard for, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's one world when you are not black and there is another world when you are. I mean, and I will go, I will, here's an example. Until this year until last year, which is when I started having the conversations with my label, who are wonderful, Fantasy Records and Concord Music Family. I can't yeah. say enough good things about them because they have been purposefully making sure that they were signing a full spectrum of humanity, right? Not just mm-hmm. white, white boys. Mm-hmm. And always before George Floyd, before Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. before Ahmaud Arbery. What I have experienced as a black artist, I can tell you some conversations that I've had. I won't name names. I was, when, when Birds of Chicago, we were shopping a record called Real Midnight that was produced by our dear brother, Joe Henry. And it's mm-hmm. some of the work that I'm the most proud of that I've ever done artistically mm-hmm. or been part of. And we had some interest from a few labels and every single one of them said a version of this. We already have a black singer. We already have a black woman who plays banjo. There was only room for one in right. their mind. Right. Now imagine if someone said to Tyler Childers, sorry, there's already a white guy that plays guitar and sings heartfelt songs. Yeah, we already have our white singer songwriter. We, we already have our white man who, who sings heartfelt songs. Right. <laughs> you know, sorry, I'm sure that's, sorry that Neil doesn't Young, happen. Bob Dylan yeah. exists. No one wants to hear you. You know, exactly. I mean, exactly. It, it, that yeah. level of who do we, who did we not hear? Who didn't even mm-hmm. get in the door? Who didn't right. even get in the building, let alone to the table? You know what I mean? And, and, and in place of all these others that have just been ushered in yeah. with no and resistance. So it was an interesting thing for me back then. So that was like three years ago, I think, right? That that happened. Mm-hmm. Watching and going, I would give anything to be. Yeah acknowledged by my peers, these people that I respect so deeply. And here you are, you're being acknowledged and you're spitting in their faces, you know? Look at now you have been. I know he didn't understand that that's what he was doing. He didn't understand that. 
Right, right. Um, uh, just a young uh, man, and I'm not. Again, I'm not. I, I know, yeah, I know what you mean. I, like, yeah. and that's where it's again, it's a complicated, you know, thing. It, it, what he's saying does have some value, but as a whole, it it, it lacks some. Uh, he fell. His logic fell down. It's, yes, it's not yes, yell at it. Americana. You go and yes. yell. Absolutely, go yell at the country establishment. Like, mm-hmm. open the door up for all right. the people. And which that, is that, what, you know what, that's right. what black women are doing right now. They're kicking the door down. Mm-hmm. Brittany Spencer is like taking no prisoners. Mickey yes. Guyton, Reese Palmer, yes. you know, all these incredible the, the Ch- Chapel Heart band, Yola, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Rihanna and Amethyst, Kia, yes. you know, they're all, you know, everybody's like. It's great to see. Down. It's really great to see. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So so let's let's talk about what likely got you to, to to be an emerging artist of the year nominee. Your your new album, Outside Child. Um like we said before, it's your first solo album under your own name. Um yeah. what was the process that that got you to come to that decision to ultimately do that? Well, I think ultimately motherhood was the beginning of it when I gave when I became a mom. I think how long that ago was, was that? Seven years ago now, my daughter. I've got a six-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh, they're so close. Our kids are all consecutive. I know, I know. That's cool. Tell tell me what's coming. Nation building. (laughs) You know what? Seven has been remarkable. And of course, she was six when the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And she's, as all our kids have, lost a year of what would be regular socialization and Mm -hmm growing and learning in in community, you know, she got isolated with her parents, as I'm sure your kids did. And, Definitely. Yeah. You know, it that and all of us learning. I mean, I always respected teachers, but man, do I respect yes. teachers. Yes. Like, yes. like I we were just they were they, heroes this year, each and every uh, one of them. Yeah. You know, just heroic. And the way that they figured out like our daughter goes to a little community school here in Nashville called Explore Community School. And they just did an incredible job with the virtual program. I was, I was just That's, in awe. Really it makes you feel awe. so good as a parent when that happens. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was tough. All our kids, I think I, I can't speak for everybody, but my art child was depressed, you know, very, yeah, she's a social sure. butterfly. She, all she wants is to be with other mm-hmm. kids. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was devastating for her. Yeah. But yeah, but that's so. Tell me how did how did having her? Tell me how did having her lead to your record? Because I understood as soon as I had her that now I had stepped into the stream of ancestors to be, and I need to be a good one. I need to be able to look in my child's face and say I did everything I could to make things better. And if I so, like your legacy, right? Yeah. And not just legacy, but like trying to change outcomes for our kids. Uh-huh. It's not uh-huh. about I me. See. It's not yeah, my yeah. world. It's not my world. As soon as she was born, I'm like, it's not my world. It's not our I know world. Exactly it's what not you mean. any of our world. Yeah. It's theirs. And it's the generations to come. And are they going to have clean water? Are they going to have an atmosphere they can breathe? Mm-hmm. Are there going to be mm-hmm. trees and animals? Or will the entire planet be decimated by our short-sighted greed? Yeah. No, huh? no by our inability to use diplomacy and talk to each other. Right. Why are we still going to war? You know, yeah, yeah. like enough. What is this world that we brought them into? Bigotry and abuse are pandemics that yes. have been with us from the dawn of our species. Yes. And 
we need to approach them with a global coalition the same way we approached COVID with a global coalition. You know, if we can do it about COVID, if they can, if, I mean, I was in awe of the, of the scientific community, the, me, the medical community, come, figuring out yeah. the cooperation, the bravery of yeah. the Chinese scientists who got the genome out when their government was telling them not to and horrible things could have happened to them potentially. Yeah. They, that bravery, the, no, you have to be part of solving this. We're doing it. And the, and the entire scientific community pulling together across national lines, you know, it was, that's heroic. And I hope there's a great, I hope there's, there should be movies and miniseries of like talking about this. And so that people like lay people can understand, like mm -hmm. these folks are heroes as much as Superman yes. or Wonder yeah. Woman yeah. or who, you know, whoever, you know, mm -hmm. like just, these are real superheroes working i can't imagine what kinds of hours under what kind of strain to try and solve this and here we are a year later and i have gigs i'm going to play the newport folk festival and i'm going to see amethyst play sunday night right, right. yeah Gordon lindsley and i'm going to go play the sunday school session at third man records you know to raise three hundred thousand dollars for gideon's army and like Life is happening again, you know? It's wild. And that is because of those heroes and, and heroes and they rose or, you know, however you mm -hmm. inclusively mm -hmm. want to make that term, you know? It's like, that is, if we can do that, we can form a global coalition around bigotry and abuse and violence and we can reduce harm. I know we can. And that's where art has a role to play. That's the role I believe of art is the currency of art is empathy, right? Really, yes. What it is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it you can speak be to powerful to break you, down barriers, and and you speak to a lot of those issues in the lyrics that you write. Yeah, um, was there a, a particular song or or was there a moment when you knew that you were what you were working on as a songwriter was a song for a solo album? Yeah, fourth day prayer. Mm -hmm. It was when, and the first line that came to me from that song was, these are the best years of your life. If I'd believed it, I'd have died. Something told me that they lied, so I survived. And it really was, I was thinking about, and that particular thing, I was thinking about the despair I felt when I was a teenager and when I was a, a child, you know, a severely sexually, physically, psychologically abused child, I was raised by a very, very violent white supremacist, um, you know, who violated me in every possible way for a decade, you know, from, and then prior to that, I was in an abusive foster home. And prior to that, I was with my teenage mom who was suffering from very severe psychosis from the onset of schizophrenia. And I was, you know, she harmed me and I was removed from her care. So my first 15 years, I did not have any sense of that I had any value or worth, you know, I wanted to die. Yeah. And the only reason I didn't die, I didn't kill myself was because of art, was because of music, was because of having the poetry, having these glimmers, literature, being able to escape into these other worlds that gave me a glimpse of maybe there's something beyond this, you know, maybe there is.
the best years of your life If I'd believed it, I'd have died Something told me that they'd lie Oh, oh, I survived Left home, I was just a child Slept in the graveyard under the mile When the sun came up and found my skin I rose, I rose again It's one for the hate loops and loops Two for the poison and the roots Three for the children begging Four for the day we're standing can't imagine the the trauma that you went through. Uh, I'm so sorry you did. I also am remarkably moved by the way that you're able to speak about it and put it into your music. Um, there's so many biographical aspects to the lyrics that you write, especially mm-hmm. on this record. Um, were there many that didn't make the album? Did, were there, was, there, was there stuff that you had to hold back or was it, did it all just kind of come out? You know, what's funny is this body of work just came out and I knew that it had to live together, that it was in, it was all part of the same, the same world and journey. And you read what you said, being able to talk about it. It took years for me to do that, you know? And so I've had a few people ask, why did it take you so long? It took me so long because I needed this much time and distance to process that in this way and be able to tell my own story in an empowered way and from a place crucially of love stability motherhood deep partnership with jt you know who has been my partner for years in birds of chicago and capital sunrise and you know and and is my co-writer on many of the songs on this record it's the most uh intimate work we've ever done together What's your songwriting process like? Like, are you guys, how do you, how do you develop a song together? All different ways, you know, all different ways. But most of the ones on this record were written in the space of three months. And it was when I was on the road with our native daughters. And so it was our first separation, JT and mine. Okay. For, I don't know, 13 years, you know, we've been joined with the hip and bands. Sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah. And bands and planes and trains and automobiles, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it was our first separation when I went on the road with our native daughters and Ida came with me for the first tour and we were in this bus and, you know, I just, Ida was in the bunk with me and I just started writing and writing at night, you know, and in some ways it's also the experience of doing the songs of our native daughters record. You know, I had gone right after Ida was born, I went through a really intense writer's block because the enormity of the responsibility of motherhood kind of silenced me for a little while. And, you know, for JT, it had the opposite effect. He got really prolific and I didn't, it was okay that I went quiet because he was filling the breach, you know, and Mm -hmm. and writing beautiful. That's when he started really channeling songs for me to sing, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and tapping into his own kind of inner feminine and just going to a different place with his writing, you know, when I had my writer's block. And, but when Rhiannon invited me to do songs of our native daughters, that was January of 2018 that we were recording that record. Ida was four and it was my first separation from her. And I was really worried about, am I going to have anything to contribute to these? I've been so blocked, but it, 
it kind of kicked the doors open for me again, like it kicked the floodgates open. And it wasn't that I hadn't been gestating ideas for those first four years of Ida's life. I had been, I just hadn't been able to like focus them. I felt overwhelmed by the enormity of it all, I think. And having that little time of separation from her and being kind of in the womb with my dear sisters, I just, you know, I ended up writing or co-writing seven songs on that record. And then I couldn't stop, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of, of the outside child of realizing I had to get this, get these songs out, get this story told because I can. And it took me years to be able to, you know, but now I can. And because now I can, then I must. Because talking about it, singing about it, humanizing a survivor's experience, telling my own story in my own words with my own perspective was extremely important to me because that's part of how we break these cycles of abuse. These, these cycles flourish in our silence, you know, and I am not saying that in any way. I would never shame any other survivor that's never ready to talk about it. Of course, it, right? of course. That's yes. understood. Everyone's on their own, having mm-hmm. their process. But because I found myself able to, once I realized that I had to, and I think the beginning of that being able to was when I wrote a song called Kashiba for the songs of our native daughters record about the great matriarch of my paternal lineage, you know, who was born free somewhere in West Africa, kidnapped somewhere in West Africa, sold off the coast of Ghana, survived the Middle Passage, survived. I don't even want to really fully imagine the kinds of violations, survived multiple enslavers, survived her children being stolen and sold, and she died enslaved, but she survived all of that. And, and because of that, you're here. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm here. That's why my daughter's here. Yeah. And it also made me understand that what happened to me was not in a vacuum. It is mm-hmm. a continuum of this vicious, these vicious cycles of intergenerational trauma, right? That mm-hmm. have been carried forward and passed forward and carried forward. And my abuser, let's look at his life. He's an abused child too, right? Yeah. He's raised in a sundown town in Indiana. Mm-hmm. which that is a form of child abuse, in my opinion. When you indoctrinate children into white supremacist, terrorist thinking, hate is taught set them yes. up for a life of violence, mm-hmm. right? And, and abuse. And that is bra- brainwashing children with that kind of violent, false ideology is a form of child abuse, period. Yes. But then he was also brutalized by his mother. His mother was intensely physically and sexually abusive to him. And so there brought all of that. He was born in 1936 in a sundown town in Indiana. And those unhealed wounds of the civil war, really, yes. he yeah. brought those with him to Montreal. Gen- and that's purely generational. Yeah. Into our relationship. He crossed the line into child abuse with me. It's not a coincidence that I'm a black child that he felt able to do that to because in his mind, he had been taught his whole life that I was less than human. Mm-hmm. You know, I first heard your story, um, at least part of it, uh, when I saw you perform at High Sierra Music Festival in, in 2019 with Luke, Luke, Luther Dickinson and Sisters yeah. of the Strawberry Moon, uh, and you performed your song, Kathy. I, I want to point out, uh, I believe last night was the Strawberry Moon. Um, so that's was. kind of a cool coincidence. Yes, it 
was. And that's when yeah. we record. So that record yeah. with Luther and Amy and Chardet Ch- mm-hmm. and, and like that was um, exactly that was 2018 as well that we recorded that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the strawberry moon. It was right around the full moon in June. And but that song, Kathy, is, you know, it's about your mother um, and and you introduced it by saying it's a prayer. Um, and I've heard you do that a couple of times. Um, it is. It's a prayer for she still lives with this man. You know, this. When when was that song written? That song dates back to Pogrel, my band Pogrel. Oh, wow. okay. right. Prior to. Yeah, it, it, it was on a record called Follow Your Bliss that we put out that Pogrel put out in 2010. Okay. Okay. That's 10 years ago. It's almost, yeah, it's almost a teenager. <laughs> that's 11 years ago. In fact, it's exactly 11 years ago because I think we put that record out in June of 2010. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, it, I mean, it's obviously one of, one of the more powerful songs I, I think I've ever heard really. Um, I, I was so moved by seeing that performance. Um, and, and I, it, it it made me think when, you know, when this record came out, it made me understand that you were probably going to take a very biographical approach. Just like you, I remember, do you remember, how you used to say, like a child, you used to say, like a child, you used to say, like a child, incorporate French into your lyrics. Yeah. How much of that is like, is rooted into sort of who you are as a person and, and your, your, your biography, so to speak. Yeah. Deeply. I mean, my, so I touched on this, Kathy, you know, was a baby when she had me and, mm-hmm. and a very, you know, suffering from very severe, untreated, undiagnosed at that time, schizophrenia. And her form of psychosis, uh, she thought that I was like a demon, you know, in in form, like she really did, which is an interesting, I think about, you know, young girls unprepared for motherhood. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was a colicky baby or what, but I could see them. It's that, that's a demon. They are possessed. Yes. (laughs) What is possessing this child and why won't they be quiet? Yeah. You know, and I think about, she didn't have any support and not only no support she was shamed and Mm -hmm. she also talking about privilege essentially lost her white privilege when she had a black baby in 1979 in catholic montreal quebec unwed mother completely ostracized having a black baby it was deep stigma right and shaming and you are you know just and misogyny and all the layers of it right so instead of the social worker going, this young woman needs help. You know, she needs therapy. She needs parenting classes. She needs some support, whatever it is. They just took me away. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. 
she was criminalized, you know, for yeah. being sick, basically, right. and without support. And not and you that know, set and her then, yeah. up completely for she was completely vulnerable, you know, to this man when he came along. Mm-hmm. You know, and he is like old enough to be her father, right? He's the same age as my grandparents. Right. He's born yeah. in 1936, and my grandma was born in 1933. You know, he's three years younger than my grandmother. Right. Um, you know, and he and that makes him of a different generation too. You yeah, know, completely different generation, mm-hmm. completely different. He, he, you know, he was, it wasn't that long since the constitution had had that black people were three fifths human written into right. it. Right. You know, it wasn't that long. In fact, the laws on the sundown town laws, like the no person of color shall sleep in this count, white County right. is from, right. of course, um, you know, they, those laws were on the books till 1978 yeah. in his town, the year before I was born. Yeah. Like, that's it's, not ancient it's history. It's not old history. It's not it's, old yeah. history. It's recent history. It's really recent mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. ongoing, you know? Mm-hmm. I think about the, the horror of the residential schools in Canada. Well, I just found out there is a residential school still in operation in South Dakota. Like uh-huh. it's still going, you know, it's like, this is not, None of this is ancient history. And that's why it's so painful and raw. But that's why we have to face it. Because otherwise, it's just these loops and loops are never going to stop, you know? And that's why I felt compelled to write about, yes, this was my history. And this, and also, I think about the crisis that we're having with our youth, the suicide crisis. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my story isn't unique. I'm one in three yeah. women, one in four men, one in two trans, intersex, or non-binary people have had very similar experiences to mine. That Mm -hmm. is a pandemic. That is an unacceptable level of harm occurring to our children. You know, it's unacceptable and it has to stop and it's not going to stop unless we talk about it because it's people we know. It isn't the like the fight over bathrooms, that nonsense about, Mm -hmm. I don't want a trans person going tell me one case of a trans person attacking someone in a bathroom. Right. Not one. There's not one. That is not a thing to argue about. That is a non-issue. Have bathrooms where people feel safe, have locking doors on all of them if you want. So then everybody feels safe. Fine. Like there is not an issue. You know, you know, who's the issue? Your uncle Ted. Okay. That (laughs) everybody knows, you know, you don't know. No, It is not some, you know, monster stranger in the dark. It's not, right. it's not immigrants coming to rape people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the deal. It's no, no. It's happening. It's and in it's, family. It, it, you know, it's talking it's about it like this family. too. Well, and it's talking about it like this, that breaks the cycle. Exactly. Right? And that, that's yeah. what you're trying to, to do. And that's it. what you are doing. Right. Yeah. You have to face it and you have to talk about it. And given all of that, this record isn't about abuse. Those were no. the circumstances I was dealt that I had no control over then, but I ran away at 15. I leapt into the abyss and into the unknown and that saved my life. Yes. It the record is not about abuse. The record is about your life and your story, which does involve that, but yes, it's not but it's just that by any getting means. free of it. It's about yes, yes. breaking it's the overcoming cycle. it. It's, it's acknowledging over- it exactly. yeah, and moving exactly. on from it. Um, exactly. And that's why it felt important to me as a mother to tell the story. And when I connected my own, it was like this aha moment for me in a sense of realizing like everything that happened to my ancestor 
that has been visited generation upon generation. I am the first woman in my lineage to have this kind of agency that I have. You have a partner that absolutely sees me as an equal, Mm -hmm. that absolutely has my back, that absolutely supports me doing my work in the world, you know, and vice versa. We support each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but that is, I'm the first in my entire lineage to have that. And my mother is still trapped in a horrific, abusive relationship that she has to self-medicate you know, herself into oblivion to, right. to. It's, it's incredible yeah. to think about that. And it's, it's, I think just another um, bit of evidence of just how recent this type of history really is and, and how we, our generation is the one and the one, our kids yeah. are the ones that are going to, to change things. Cause we've got, we have exactly, it's the reckon, it's the truth and reconciliation and reparation as best we can. Right. right. On what, whatever that means to people. I think there's a lot of ways we can do that, you know, but the first is truth, right? And yes, we just have to everybody be- agreeing on what the truth is. Exactly. Which is really tough right now when no doubt. there has been this just terribly insidious erosion of the education systems, mm-hmm. you know, and I think about, it's really significant to me that Art is the first thing to be cut always, right? Art, music, right. those are the first things to go. And that is what we need more than anything yes. to break down. Mm-hmm. It allows people to express themselves. And, that, and it's through expression that we can communicate with each other and, and share with each other exactly. and, and build a community. Recognize each other as yes. fully equal humans. Yeah, yeah. Whatever else we disagree about. We're fully equal humans, you know, I had, I mean, there were comments, things like I see antiquated farm equipment talking about black people. Someone made that comment, you know? Mm -hmm. So not only are you dehumanizing us, you're actually like, you've turned us into like objects. We're not even animals with farm equipment to this person. Right. Like that is a level of I don't even know that I had a hard time even you know, comprehending that's a level that when you first said it. Yeah. Of going, if I see pigmented skin, that's not, yeah. e- you're not even. I, do, I don't know. How, <laughs> you know, and that's one example of, but it is, it is yeah. a telling thing. That is a process of dehumanization that has been going on unchecked mm-hmm. really since, since the first enslaved people were brought here, you right. know? Right. And it's happening to our indigenous community, obviously, as well. And now it's happening to our Asian American community. Yeah. You know, since the pandemic, it's like we have got it. We have the only way, I think, to start breaking some of that kind of toxic, entrenched. I, I don't know what the word, but it's like a kind of a it's a kind of a sociopathy, right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, that's learned. Psychosis, you know, that's learned, that's been taught, that's been internalized, lifted and internalized so deeply. It's very insidious. And everybody, you know, I was raised by white supremacists. Like I understand how toxic and deep and insidious that kind of brainwashing is, you know, so it had a different effect on me, obviously, you know, I could have like, (laughs) that's frightening. (laughs) No, oh my gosh, just the layers of it all. But 
but point being, it's not a matter of shaming people, right? That doesn't help anything. Shame shuts the mind down. I feel like shame is like the mind killer. It's people get defensive and that's it. That's Mm -hmm. the back themselves further into their corner. You know, my wife and I talk about that a lot with our daughters, like make sure that in our parenting, you're never shaming them. them. Exactly. I think about this so much because that was so much of my childhood and what happened to my mother and why she's still in that situation. Just this, Mm -hmm. this load of shame that she can't, you know, it's a self self-esteem it destroyer. And it's not like, a, yeah, it is. And it never, le- and I will say at my experience as a survivor is it never disappears, but you can make it smaller and smaller and smaller till it's manageable, manageable yes. to live your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can live your life and this is possible. You know, it does get better. I mean, that was as much as anything. I wanted to make a record that yelled from the mountaintops. It gets better. Hang mm-hmm. in there, please hang in there. You know? talk to you about making the record actually so you you recorded it in nashville right yeah actually in 2019 right after americana speaking of americana right uh after americana uh fest yeah and 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 it was at the sound emporium emporium yes which is how did you pick that amazing place to record uh it's one of my favorite studios and actually it was dan nobler my my dear brother who produced the record chosen brother who produced the record uh, loves that room as well. And, and Juanita who runs it is just an incredible person. And I, it, I love the way that you refer to him as a chosen brother. I, I, I know the way that I've heard you refer to your family of that with your chosen family. They are, I, they I, I find that very profound. It, 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 I feel the same way about many of my friends and, and, um, the, you know, family is, is family, but the people that choose to to love you and stand behind you are are the are, are very important in our lives for sure. So important. And I think about that, you know, I think about that for other folks who've had family trauma, you know, mm-hmm. that you, you, the family you choose is just as much, if not more your family, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you've yeah. chosen other. Yeah. 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 And we, and so, that so what's your relationship with Dan before the album? So we, you know, we met Dan actually at third man records at another Americana fest when okay. birds of Chicago and Aaron Ray were both uh-huh. showcasing at third, at the blue room at third man records. Gotcha. This would have been Americana fest. I think either 2017 or 18. Gotcha. 2018. It was 2018. Okay. And we met, I was blown. I mean, I love Aaron Ray too. I was blown away by her set and then blown away by the record that Dan produced for her. Okay. Okay. That's when we were thinking, we actually reached out to him, you know, kind of, do you want to do some, we thought we might do some birds demos or, you know, 
just do mm-hmm. something with him. And he's very close with our dear brother, Jamie Dick, who plays drums on my record outside child also plays drums on um, and plays drums with our native daughters also okay. plays drums with Rhiannon Giddens part of that. Like he's just in our, in the crew. Yeah. Our, yeah. He's our, yeah, once again, chosen brother. And one chosen of the brother. we yeah. moved to Nashville, like Jamie Dick and his wife, Alice Sperry, Luther and Nisha Dickinson, um, Abigail Washburn and Bela Fleck. Like we had these, other families with kids, you know, that we, well, Jamie and Allie don't have kids yet, but, you know, but the, the, we just had the sense of community here, Mm -hmm. you know, and Rhiannon was here at the time. She was on the Nashville show at the time and had got a house and was like, you can come, we can come be roommates. And, you know, that's how we ended up in Nashville. But um, yeah, just, Jamie kind of connected us and, you know, cause we were like one degree of separation from being new best friends. And then we became new best friends. And, and so was it all sort of recorded all in like a couple of weeks or whatever? Four days, or four days. Oh, four days. Yeah. Yes. Well, I should, that's not entirely true. Okay. Four days of, of all of like all basically uh-huh. the, the beds were me singing live and playing clarinet live with the whole band. Mm-hmm. in the sound emporium studio a so it's that gorgeous big room and the booth of, i don't know if you've been in there but like the, those no. glass doors where there's usually the drums i was in that part so that there could be oh, enough okay. separation for the mix but we gotcha, kept doors gotcha. open and dan is like a master of just doing enough soundproofing that we can still really be with vibing off each other and so you were tracking live tracking live it, Every it definitely song has that, that sound is, definitely yeah. Recorded maybe three times. All of them were recorded three times, except for fourth day prayer. We had to do four and we took the fourth take. That was a hard, that was the hardest one for me to sing emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. the, all the rest, we pretty much took take two. So it was like wow. the first take, we're kind of having the conversation, but we're not yeah. there yet. And the second take, it's like, Oh yeah. A hot one. Yeah. 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 You know, so it has you capture the magic on the second one, and then the third one, it's not quite there. So you go one, back. Like, and ah, stick we it got in. it on the second yeah, one. Yeah, every second time one. when we listen back, almost every single time we took the second take. That's really cool. Joyful, you know. And I just on the spur of the moment played the clarinet live, and we had these like those jams are real. That we're having it sounds a, so we're good. It really does. I love your clarinet playing on the record. It sounds amazing. I Thank love the way. Now, I don't know if it's always the a pedal steel or slide guitar, but the way the two at times just you can't you can almost can't tell which instrument is which. And I don't know that I've ever heard a clarinet with a pedal steel before. It's like they love each other. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. And my dear. So Steve, I've known since I was 17. Steve Dawson is a fellow Canadian. He's got um, he moved. He has a record, a Canadian record label called Black Hen Records. And his right. studio is, is the hen house. And he moved, uh, he came first, actually. I, he's a huge reason why we moved here is my Amazing. dear chosen brother, Steve Dawson. He recorded uh, the, the Birds of Chicago record, American Flowers. Okay. For us when we first moved to Nashville in 2017, we gotcha. did it at his hen house. And he and his wife, Alice, and their daughter, Casey, they moved out here about six, maybe five or six years before we did. And Steve also was in Vancouver when I moved there. And that's where I really started being mm-hmm. a, profes- a professional musician and found finding my calling. And he gave me some so of my you guys are really connected. Really big yeah. gigs. Like he's a deep, he's been a mentor and, and an uplifter. And now we're, you know, chosen family 
co-workers and he toured with birds for the last three years and he plays sound on terrific the together. Yeah. 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 And it, they love each other. The pedal steel and the yes. kids love each other. I know. I want to hear more. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Tip, tip, tip and all your windows God let me in Persephone. A number of guests you mentioned Erin Ray before she's on yeah, it the McCrary yeah. sisters Yola, are on it my Yola's dear, on it Yola and yeah the McCrary sisters I met the McCrary sisters through Yola she introduced me to Alfreda McCrary and I just they I'm such a fan of theirs and I was so honored they agreed to come sing on my record and were they yeah. part of the set did they come during those four days or so did- that's what I was gonna say the fifth day was the heavenly choirs that because oh, that's wow. when yeah we did all the vocal because I did all my vocals with the band that day and then we arranged the harmonies all together the next day so the fifth day we did all the harmonies now did I see that you and Lo- Yola were living together yeah we so Yola she lived just with our family out. all through the whole pandemic and in fact really from she started coming here very seriously, you know, to work on her first record, mm-hmm. Fox Fire, yeah, um, in 2017, and she would just come stay with us. So we oh, had wow. this. That was when we were in Madison. It was okay. a house Rhiannon Giddens bought when she was on that Nashville TV show, okay. and then her life took her to Ireland, and we took over renting the house, okay. and then Yola moved in. My sister Anna moved in, and we just yeah, we we did the whole pandemic together at that house. And it was on about an acre of land. So we made this huge garden and Yola put up archery. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. We got through the the pandemic together and now we've, we've, um, you know, we've all since moved, but we've moved like within blocks of each other, you know? Great. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I was saying to my wife, like, it must've been amazing for the neighbors to, to hear you guys. Yeah. Well, that would have been, you know, I don't know I, I if was, they thought it was amazing. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, come on. Uh, uh, um, and we, we can get going, but I, uh, you got, we mentioned before you got some tour dates coming up. You're going to get back I'm, out on the road. Are you excited about that? Oh, so excited. I just can't even believe it's real. I mean, I keep a year ago, we couldn't have imagined this, you know? Yeah. So I'm really excited. I'll be making my solo Newport folk fest debut very excited. yeah i got to play there with native daughters and it was mm-hmm. just a magical experience and we got to sing with mavis and we got to sing with you know legend Hook and hosier and you know just amazing yeah, it was amazing um so i'm excited about that I, i'm and we're kicking it off at eddie's attic beforehand and i've got just some little little ones around town too like i'm gonna do the sunday school uh, Are you going to be bringing record. a band? Like, will you be full band? Yeah. So in Newport, yes, I'll have the mm-hmm. full band. We kind of have these different configurations. Yeah. You know, depend- so I'm on- going to be I'm going to be opening for Lake Street Dive. Yeah, you've got some gigs with them. And so that will be when I open for them. I'll be doing a power 
trio with oh, cool. uh, an amazing guitar player named Mandy Fair, who's from a band mm-hmm. called Sway Wild that are wonderful. But mm-hmm. she has agreed to come and moonlight with me and cool. and, and shred with me yes. that tour. And then Larissa Maestro, who's just an incredible cellist and vocalist. I saw her perform with you. I watched a video the other day. You were at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. Larissa. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was, again, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody sing and play the cello at the same time. Not, not since like Arthur Russell or somebody. Yeah. It's like, yeah, uh, she's incredibly good. Yeah. That, that, Phenomenal. Yeah. I'm awesome. so lucky to be uplifted by these brilliant musicians, you know, and at Newport, it will be the full band. And so there's kind of a mixture, you know, right. well, what cool. all, people all will get to see things. all aspects then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope I get to catch it. Uh, oh, I hope I, I get to see you in person soon. Where are you? I didn't, I forgot. I'm in, I'm up in Minneapolis. You're in Minneapolis. Yeah. I love Minneapolis. We have, so JT, my partner, mm-hmm. his people are all from Chicago. Well, yeah. Ireland originally, but now Chicago. Wow. And I lived there for six years. In the you lived in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's such a vibrant, wonderful city. Definitely. I love it. Yeah. Um, but they now live in a p- northern Wisconsin, his parents retired to a little island in Door County, Wisconsin called Washington awesome. Island. And so we go, we, and we have dear friends in Minneapolis and his parents did their under their graduate studies in Minneapolis. So, oh, cool. so we go back and forth. There it's God's country up North there, man. Oh, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And I love the twin cities. It's so I got to sit on Prince's motorcycle at oh. First Avenue when birds opened for Valerie June in 2017. Wow. And they let Valerie and I sit on Prince's motorcycle. I was just like, wow. Hey, that's cool. I'm, I'm hoping to moment. I'm hoping to talk to Valerie soon for, for the podcast. So oh, she is I'll so, have to ask her about sitting on Prince's motorcycle. She'll t- yeah, she was because of her, I got to do that. She was like, come here. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see her doing that. <laughs> oh, great. She is such a, oh, such a queen. And I'm so talk about just crushing the, she was number one on the Americana charts for eight weeks consecutively. Like that record is incredible. I love it. so much. I think that's historic. I don't know that there's ever that record. Oh, the moon and stars that has just. It's beyond. I just, I don't, yeah, it is. It's galactic. It's just beautiful. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a masterpiece, you know, that's well, it. So, so is yours. And I think you should be very, very proud of outside child. I think it's, um, Thank uh, it's remarkable. Um, and, and I encourage everyone out there to listen to it. If it's uplifting, even though it's, uh, heavy at times, um, yeah. but well, I, I definitely, I definitely left feeling, uh, stronger and, and, um, and, part of a, of, of a community sort of, you know, yeah, I mean, it felt like, the, like part of a humanity, you know, you speak to humanity in your music and it, it touches me very much. We're a family. It might be dysfunctional and broken, but we're still right, a family. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Uh, well, good, good talking to you. Thank you so much again for, for doing this and uh, uh, best of luck. Safe travels when you head back out on tour. Thank you, Andy. It was so nice to meet you here over zoom. I hope we get to meet in real life. Soon. I do too. I very much hope so too. Have a great summer. Take care. Thank you. You too. Great talking. Bye. Bye. I'm the moon's dark side. I'm the solar flare. The child of the earth. The child of the air. I am the mother of the evening star. I am the love that conquers all. Yeah, I'm a midnight rider. Stone born of fire, not fire. I'm an angel.
this episode of the jam Base podcast thanks to everyone out there for listening thanks also to allison for joining me on the podcast if you haven't yet be sure to check out allison russell's debut solo album outside child and catch her on tour in the coming weeks and months thanks also to jake alexander for helping produce the episode we'll be back soon in the meantime stay safe out there and go see live music